is Stephanie. And this is Brian. Welcome to our podcast, The Making and the Remaking of a Codependent Mind. This week, we are going to talk about the subject of caretaking. And we've said that caretaking and people-pleasing are kind of two pillars of codependency. Yeah, right. Kind of the, these, these kind of overarching themes of codependency, really. And uh, this episode is inspired by a listener question. I don't know if you want to read it. Sure, yeah. This was recently and it was directed towards you. It says, uh, where in Stephanie's life does she have codependent behaviors and what do they look like and feel like for her? And like we, we just said, you know, we have people pleasing and caretaking as these two pillars. And we talked about during the people pleasing episode that everyone wants to please people. It's yeah. really, it's a very human response. And it's not necessarily an unhealthy response, being the fact that we're a social species and, and all that, like we've said a few times before. Yeah, there's right. healthy versions of all of these behaviors. Even people who maintain that they don't care what people think of them. Yeah, sure. There's evidence that they do. They do. <laughs> and certainly I do. I mean, I want people to like me and it feels uncomfortable when they don't or when they're angry at me, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we hadn't talked about ex- extensively caretaking, so we wanted to this time spend the episode on caretaking and and kind of explore what maybe the healthy version or of that looks like and then maybe what the disordered version feels like and looks like. Yeah, sure, how to contrast the two and, and how it can actually be difficult even when we're talking about the healthy version. Exactly. Um, and I, I think it's worthwhile to, to investigate why it is so difficult. Where do mm-hmm. these impulses come from? Yeah the impulse to care for each other being, I think, as deeply rooted as the impulse to want to please each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They are kind of tied together like that. Yeah. So we included in kind of our definitions of codependency, and this is in many people's definitions of codependency, that it's one-sided caretaking. That's problematic. Yeah. Right. That's where it really starts to get problematic. It's not always problematic but yes and the one place that is not problematic that is never problematic is in the parent child relationship right yeah so talk a little bit about that yeah i mean so that being that fundamental caretaking relationship that involves all of these evolved psychological and emotional impulses and instincts that that developed evolved over hundred thousands if not millions of years of human evolution those caretaking impulses and they're for our species. They're pretty necessary, given the fact that our human babies are so you like kind of just helpless, right? You know, <laughs> right? Exactly. So <laughs> that that impulse to care for our young is really deeply rooted, and mm-hmm. you know, as you're, you're you're saying, makes sense that that would be necessary for our species to survive. Yeah. And uh, one interesting concept that I like in reading about kind of evolution and evolutionary psychology. And the evolution of our psychology is um, this idea of the environment of evolutionary adaptiveness. Mm-hmm. This refers to looking at the environment in which our bodies and minds evolved mm-hmm. and thinking about how that is different from our current environment and what potential challenges that might pose to mm-hmm. our bodies and our minds and our emotional systems and our social systems. Okay. Yeah. So this comes up a lot in 
nutritional science in health sciences because the food and nutritional environment in which our bodies evolved is very different from what it is now. This is so, for instance, this is the premise behind a lot of these, um, like the paleo diet. Yeah, sure. So the paleo diet is suggesting that our bodies did not evolve to eat the food that we're currently eating, this highly processed food, uh, you know, lots of um, uh, sugars, um, uh, refined carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. And it, what it attempts to do is to encourage you to eat the way our paleolithic ancestors eat. I mean, I don't know that much about the diet, but that seems to be the yeah, premise it's kind of, of like that. We ate this way for hundreds of thousands of years, yeah, and if here not we millions are, of years. So. Yeah, so let's go back and eat that way. It's yeah. better and healthier for our body. And, and, you know, there seems to be some truth to that in that, you know, again, our, our bodies did evolve in very low-calorie environments. Yeah such that those among us who had this kind of psychological and emotional instinct to seek out like high fat foods, for instance, when we came across them would be more successful because obviously hunting down an antelope is a lot more difficult than eating a bunch of berries. So there had to be Mm -hmm. some psychological hunger motivation to, to drive us to hunt this antelope. And then when we, managed to kill it to just devour it because this is you know this is a lot of calories it's, it's very beneficial yeah, gorge on it and then our bodies know how to kind of store it and use it yeah and, yeah yeah but so, now, now it's just everywhere <laughs> of course yeah this is the problem now it's like we listen we could have an antelope every day yeah. and, uh, and many of us do right yeah. because we just go to mcdonald's and get the caloric equivalent of an antelope just by putting down you know, like 10 bucks or something. So yeah. there's this disjunct between the environment in which our bodies evolve in terms of food and then that now we're trying to navigate our relationship with food currently. That's been kind of interrupted mm-hmm. our evolved instincts and emotions towards food. So how you tie, you're tying this to just the subject of caretaking? I am. So okay. because I'm thinking that, you know, we also evolved in situations where babies and children were extremely cared for, uh-huh. you know, you know, often carried on their mother's back, yeah. you know, surrounded by adult caregivers when we lived as we did for most of human history and evolution. Yeah, a whole village. In or... small tribes or, 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 or villages. So there was, they were just surrounded w- with care yeah. uh, and attention. And so their own caretaking instincts were nurtured and encouraged by being cared for. And the problem now, when children are not in that environment, where they're in environments in many ways that are the opposite of that. So I'm thinking about, again, environments of abuse or neglect or what's called parentification. I don't know if we talked about that, but the idea of parents relying on their children for care, for the kind of care that they should be providing for their children. Mm-hmm. So either emotional care, it could be financial care or physical care. They they expect their children to care for them. Yeah. And so if it happens to a child, like a lot of other things, it leaves an imprint. And it does. It it I think, you know, perverts yeah. these caregiving instincts that mm-hmm. are there for a reason. The and the reason is not to care for your parents. Those yeah. not not how why those impulses and instincts mm-hmm. and skills evolved. Right. 
they evolved to care for your young, not to care for your parents, sure. not to pacify people in power. So much like, you know, our instinct to eat high fat, high calorie foods evolved mm -hmm. in a situation because they were scarce. It benefited us at that point. But if you're now in your situation where they're plentiful, it, it's going to be problematic. Yeah. All right. So people who grew up in a situation where they were, they were care deprived, And even worse, they were expected to provide care for the more powerful people. Yeah, where it wasn't natural, really. It didn't come from an impulse of, like, this is a normal situation where I, I feel compelled to care for someone. It's more like the person is forced to. What I'm saying is we all feel compelled to yeah. care, that, but it, it shouldn't be expressed in a situation where you're a child and someone else is in a more powerful situation yeah. or position than you. Right. Or, and it could even be a peer or something like that. Like in my case with the friend called, we call mm -hmm. G, where mm -hmm. it's like, this, this is a person my age, but this person's kind of coercing me into caretaking this, their emotional deficiencies. Right. And you, but we had your father as well. Yeah. That's he, true. That right. He, ex he expected kind of emotional caretaking from you because he couldn't manage his own anger or frustration, mm -hmm. which is all to say, very long winded way to say, like, these, these are very ingrained. And powerful emotions. So, I mean, it absolutely makes sense that people who had those emotions manipulated and abused from childhood would struggle even more with them in adulthood. But even as you said, even those of us who were cared for, it can be difficult yeah. often to know when and how to express our deep-seated impulse to care for right. well, each so, other. Because we're talking about one-sided caretaking here and, and the different types of one-sided, but what would be a two-sided caretaking situation? Like that's kind of... Well, I, I hope that, for instance, you and I have yeah. a, <laughs> so, so a, 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 giving... a relationship where both sides are kind of equally at least try uh, there's an attempt or there's it feels like to one or both of us that it's a mutual mutual beneficial yeah. caretaking experience i think different people are born with different levels of caretaking instinct yeah i think that's true um right i mean it can also be nature or nurture i mean yeah. the whole experience yeah. but, right so it's hard yeah. to say but i mean i i certainly sense that i'm a person that falls into caretaking pretty easily is motivated to take care because um, you have a long history of that yeah i mean i have a you know a lot of the friendships that i ended up with not mm -hmm. all of them mm -hmm. you know became somewhat lopsided and that's not a huge problem and i yeah again i don't think it's uncommon that you know often in a friendship a long-term friendship even that maybe one person will be slightly more of the caretaking person you know yeah or, especially if you have something to offer and the, the, the other person actually sees you as someone they can rely on it's, it's yeah and i enjoy that i mean i do mm -hmm. enjoy it's, it's very satisfying uh, um it's not just people who have codependent behavior it's, it's mm -hmm. it can be satisfying to feel needed and and that you are capable and and that you are bringing something to someone else's life mm -hmm. um but i will say a number of those friendships when they became i thought kind of too lopsided and then when i would maybe start to fall in to some feeling of resentment and a bit of exhaustion that then i was being asked yeah how would you recognize that that it would fall into the this kind of well this is you know what we talked about now for for many episodes about mm -hmm. knowing what your emotions are yeah I, i mean i would start to feel what i recognized was resentment yeah. and that i was putting more into this and that that i would needed also care back that i was person was not really able to give and that mm -hmm. they, they were bringing perhaps too much drama into my life and i think I, this is a good example of what the when we talk about resentment resentment isn't 
always this chronic problem. Like right. everyone can feel it. Right. Um, so it's what you do with it. So what you did with it, mm-hmm. you were able to recognize it and you would do something about it. Yeah. And I would decide, oh, I need to kind of back away from this friendship. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can think of, yeah, a, a number of times that happened that, that felt to me, okay, well, this kind of ran its course and, mm-hmm. you know, we've kind of fallen into these roles that I'm not really comfortable playing for the rest yeah, of my life. Right. <laughs> I mean, I play that with, for my children, absolutely. But, and then, you know, even romantic relationships, unfortunately, I, I have had that happen. And yeah. it, I think it's particularly problematic in romantic relationships. Sure, because it could have other effects. Like with, with a, a friendship, friendships can be very deep and very mm-hmm. valuable and intimate, but there's other pieces to a romantic relationship that can get affected, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, in Esther Perel, the the um, psychotherapist that we've talked about before, has a great podcast and mm-hmm. a number of books. Anyway, she talks about how that kind of, right, the caretaking dynamic in a relationship can really sap all the erotic energy mm-hmm. out of romantic relationship which yeah. of course makes sense because it should because you don't as a parent you shouldn't have any kind of erotic or sexual emotions right, so towards like your a parent-child relationship child yeah can be yeah uh, so and and that also is a breeding ground for resentment mm-hmm. because it's not appropriate to have a lopsided caretaking i don't think yeah. long-term romantic relationship yeah i mean unless the couple has both have both somehow agreed to that or something but i can't imagine why? Why? <laughs> yeah. Everyone needs to receive care. I mean, that's yeah. just right. And everyone deserves to receive care from yeah. the people in their lives. So yeah. I don't know why you would agree to a situation in which. So again, but these are examples of this kind of too much of a good thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. so eating mm-hmm. too many high calorie foods. So when there's in no world is caretaking a bad thing, you know, yeah. it's fundamental to human society that we take care of each other. So it's, critical that we all have these impulses Mm -hmm. and these emotions that drive us to care for each other. You talk about how you had this history of kind of being a caretaker throughout your life. It was extremely valuable for me, but yes, we were very vulnerable into falling into that position of what you said. If it continued down that road and I didn't care for you and you were the one that always started the relationship conversations Mm -hmm. and I was just kind of it could have very easily gone that same direction. It could. And I was kind of particularly aware of not falling into that dynamic mm-hmm. when we started because I had just had a failure of a romantic relationship because of that, because yeah. it became this this kind of lopsided uh, caretaking. And I didn't want to do that again. <laughs> and you tried to reverse course on that, but it's really hard once it's ingrained. Right? It can be really hard, Yes. So, I mean, and we talked about this before, where there are many of the conversations that we would have about our relationship or about my feelings that would be triggering for you. Mm -hmm. And I did try to respect that trigger, but respect it by, you know, pausing the conversation, Mm -hmm. maybe talking about where that triggered response was coming from, giving you a chance to recoup, but... We always went back to those yeah, conversations yeah. for that reason because it's not like oh that okay that conversation is off limits I better not that's yeah, yeah I can't express my own anger or hurt or disappointment because that might trigger you yeah mm-hmm. that's not a mutual caretaking relationship yeah. that's the therapeutic relationship or right. that's maybe a parent child relationship right and that's not the relationship I wanted to have with you yeah or you know similar to this along those lines you're not allowed to express 
anger or something mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. even just you expressing disappointment or anger was triggering for me for, you know, before I really knew it was. Mm -hmm. And so you could have also gone the path of, well, I better not raise my voice around him because obviously he has a hard time with that. Now you're just, you're muting your emotions and yeah, that's just misdirected caretaking. But again, I do have those, those impulses. And mm -hmm. I remember once early on in our relationship, we went to a cuddle party. You were into cuddle parties for a period. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of your life, I think, in trying to recover from these abusive, yeah. toxic relationships in which you weren't touched with affection or care. Right. Oh, we should, should we explain briefly what that oh, is? Oh, right. What sure. cuddle parties are you? I mean, it's, it's I, I mean, I'm sure it's nationwide, worldwide, probably. It's these kind of, these get-togethers be hosted by someone and everyone goes and it's kind of, you know, at a certain time they close doors and, and then they tell people about these rules of of how to engage and and do some exercises to get people used to saying no and yes and and then uh, uh, consent for for physical touch mm -hmm. and then there's usually like a, an hour long just free cuddle session where people <laughs> are walking around going can I cuddle with you or can I right. stroke your shoulder or some things like that where, right you know so yeah that's what it is so I went with you and. Um... Yeah, I mean, one thing I said afterwards is I don't think I can be in that room because there were a lot of people in the room who were clearly struggling mm -hmm. with their relationships and with loneliness and mm -hmm. with needing care. Yeah. And I, right. you know, again, had getting out of a long-term romantic relationship where that became too much of a dynamic. I was like, this is activating all my caretaking yeah. <laughs> impulses. Now I'm in a room full of people that who all need, need care. Something. And I just <laughs> want to give them all hugs. And that's not really what it's supposed to be. Out. It's supposed to be about you getting the touch that you want and need and not about just giving touch yeah. to anybody who needs it. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's certainly something my whole life that I've thought about and needed to be and needed to be aware of, and it has affected um, some of my relationships mm -hmm. in not a positive way. Yeah. So, this is again too much caretaking or too one-sided caretaking does not have the result often that you want it to have, which is a mutually fulfilling intimate relationship. It often has the opposite effect, right. much like eating a lot of highly processed, highly calorie foods does not have the effect yeah. of a healthy, nourished body. We did not evolve the caretaking instinct for one-sided caretaking. It evolved to knit together a family and a social system and a human community. Right. It did right. not evolve so that you can caretake people in order to tie them to you mm -hmm. <laughs> or to neutralize their abuse or neglect. Yeah, sure. To, to keep yourself safe, really, mm -hmm. in, in right. whatever way you think that is doing it. So, yeah, it's almost like what you're talking about here, these times where caretaking went a little too far for you, it's almost like you could place that on a codependency spectrum a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, just because all of this is like a spectrum. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the messages here is these are all very human, very understandable yeah. behaviors. Yeah, right. They got kind of co-opted and perverted by yeah, situations of neglect or abuse or trauma. And then they just went way too far. So in what you're talking about, where it goes too far, it didn't. it's not like you started right in with it going too far. You didn't go, it's some, some abusive person didn't come along and right. demand mm -hmm. caretaking from you and you just did it. Mm -hmm. It was, you started off slowly caretaking someone that deserved it. 
Yeah, offering care and and but eventually not enough care came back and yeah. this dynamic became that I was the one mm-hmm. that would be in charge and capable and make yeah. sure things happen and 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 take care of and that I didn't need that level of care back, which is not true. I do need it. Right, that was a perception I've heard you say before where it was like kind of that was the person that you were caring for, if they didn't say it explicitly, they acted as if you didn't need any care. Kind of yeah, well, and that happened kind of too in some of these friendships as well. Yeah. And, and and not that they were the other person necessarily even has to be an abusive person, but mm-hmm. maybe just slightly disordered and yeah. needing a level of care that I, I don't need, which is not to say I don't need care, I do. Yeah, right. <laughs> and often another person will need a higher level of care for a period, mm-hmm. but that period can't be for the whole relationship. No. Right. And you talked about earlier how we want is kind of equal caretaking, mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily have to be equal. Right? Just on average. Yeah. It kind of has to average out, but it also has to feel fair. Yeah. Sure. So like, yeah, yeah, maybe because of your past struggles and because I, again, was fortunate not to experience many of the difficulties that you've experienced, maybe I need less of a level of emotional and psychological care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, since you don't have triggers, right. you're already yeah. one step ahead on that. But again, that doesn't mean I need no care. Right. And as long as I'm getting the care I need from this relationship, it doesn't have to be equal. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm fine that sure. <laughs> sometimes you get more as long as I'm getting what I need. Yeah. And there's also there's dozens of ways to care for, for someone, right? Yeah. In terms of you can care for people domestically, you can care for people... Physically, you can care for them emotionally, psychologically, financially. Mm-hmm. And and when you add all that in, I mean, we do, I think, have a pretty equal ba- balanced Yeah, and it's something that we can and should evaluate on an ongoing basis, too. So mm-hmm. it's not like we have one conversation and then let it go for 12 months or something. It's, it's, a, it's good to just regularly check in about how those things are going, how our communication is. And, and it's interesting too, because like we're saying, your caretaking instincts were really perverted and exploited mm-hmm. such that when you came to our relationship, even though you are a care, caring person, you would actually kind of struggle to care for me. Yeah, right. Because you weren't demanding it. I was used to it being demanded. And so if you weren't asking for help or something... Not like it was asking for help is a wrong way to put it, but we've gone into those relationships pretty, pretty much in depth. It was demanded in various ways. And so I was used to behaving and reacting kind of. Yeah. So they felt your previous abusive partners, they felt entitled to your care. And so moments of caretaking or acts of caretaking were really tests Mm -hmm. where you would have to get it right Mm -hmm. or you would be in trouble. Yeah. So even kind of when I would ask for care, that almost became a trigger for you. Uh, it's true. Yeah. Because you couldn't just tap into your natural feelings of affection for me mm-hmm. and desire to care for me. Right. Because all of a sudden you're in this situation where you're being tested. And if I, I, if I, I would get kind of washed over, yeah, with some kind of trauma trigger mm-hmm. associated it with it just felt similar. But then also I would get washed over with new feelings that came from just within the context of our relationship, which is shame. Shame mm-hmm. from those prior relationships that I wasn't really aware of during those relationships. Now I learned all these things about it and stuff and how bad, how much, initially how much shame I felt for the caretaking that I did do for those people mm-hmm. and how it can look the same. You know, like my behaviors that I do to caretake you 
may look and sound the same as they did when I was doing codependent caretaking of an abusive person. And so that's hard to stomach. Yeah, I mean, I think that the thing that we talked about with people pleasing is that if you're people pleasing in order to keep yourself safe, in Mm -hmm. order to make sure everybody likes you, you're going to end up people pleasing the wrong people. Yes, right. Because the healthier people in your life aren't expecting that from you, aren't Mm -hmm. going to demand that from you, and may not even want it from you. Yeah. So you're going to be focusing all your attention on these disordered people. Mm -hmm. That's very similar to what can happen with caretaking. Right, exactly. Because one thing that we, when we first started going out as well, you started engaging in many kind of reflexive caretaking behavior. Right. You know, in terms of financially or taking responsibility for domestic chores or or whatever, just things that you were expected to do in past relationships. So that that became kind of this caretaking script. Mm Mm-hmm that you thought I would expect or feel entitled to. Yeah. And I was like, no, I don't expect someone to financially take care of me if we want to form a financial partnership. And if that works for you and it addresses your needs as well, that's great. But I don't want it just just to demand that I be financially taken care of yeah. and that you are just willing to do it because that's a caretaking habit that you had. So whereas, again, if you offer that to a disordered person, as you did, they were like, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll I'll take all the caretaking you you can give me, uh, and without questioning where it's coming from. So again, you're very less likely to end up in a lopsided caretaking relationship with a healthier person. It is probably more with disordered people that are going to absorb that care and, and not respond. And with you're just care. fueling the fire too. Like the, mm-hmm. it, once you go down that road, basically, this person goes, Ah, wow, I. I feel cared for. They may not be conscious of the fact that it's lopsided. Yeah, we've talked about how Jay, mm-hmm. you know, your most recent narcissistic abusive ex, um, felt that no one loved her the way that you loved yeah, her. Right. <laughs> she felt obviously very cared for yeah. and very safe. And that was all based on fear. Yeah, it was all based on fear and codependency. And codependency yeah. and, and not love. Where is what? What I want and what I hope for for both of us is that we have caretaking that's based on love and affection and intimacy. There's a story that popped into my mind. I don't know if we'll leave this in or, or not. But that time we were at the cabin a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and I was going to go to the bathroom, but you asked if I could make you some tea. Yes. And this kind of, this is what popped into my head just because as a good example of, so what happened is, is I was on my way to the bathroom and you're like, oh, can I have some tea? And I was like, Oh, well, I was going to go to the bathroom, but okay, I guess I can get you tea first. Right. Like, I mean, and this, this, really... this look of kind of, you know, kind of annoyance and yeah, oh, and slight amount of panic too, right? Yeah. Just kind of. Like, why like, are you demanding this of me? Uh, I need to go to the bathroom. And I was like, no, you can go to the bathroom. Yeah. You just got up. So I didn't know. I thought you were going to the kitchen. Yeah. You can feel free to go to the bathroom first. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, that, that I don't know how that I don't know how that ties in, but it, I feel I feel like it does somehow. Like it's just kind of this misdirected caretaking. Like, oh, well, I because need to that's take what you were, of this tea. Yeah, request. but that, that would happen, right? In, in your previous relationship, yeah. just if they were you were asked for something, you were expected to deliver. Yeah, it didn't matter what, what you needed or wanted at that that moment. But you bring me every tea every morning now, yeah. and it, I feel like it's an act of care. It is, yeah, right. Not an act of obligation or. Yeah fear that I'll get mad if you don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's just how that went down basically, which is what made it so obviously, and it bothered you. And, and we had a conversation, a few, a couple of conversations at least after it to 
try to get to the bottom of what it was because it was not that far into this whole process, really. And on the other side of it, I mean, me not wanting to receive caretaking Mm -hmm. that's rooted in fear or obligation is part of like, I don't want to be resented. Yeah, right. Because I saw you express a lot of resentment on those yeah. past relationships. And it's like, well, I don't want that. Right. I mean, I I only want you to be doing things that are motivated by your own feelings. Yeah. Not feelings of love, uh, fear or shame, but yeah, feelings yeah, yeah. Of, of love and affection and mutual caretaking. And, you know, you'll hear people who say, you know, oh, gosh, I, 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 oh, I'm always the one that does X, Y, and Z in this friendship or this relationship? Why do I always end up in friendships and relationships where I'm always the one? And that's a good question. I think they often ask it rhetorically in a kind of self-pity mode. And, and I have to say, like, sometimes I've done that too. It's like, ah, why am I always the one that has to do? Why do but, I always call But it's a very good question because there actually is an answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because you shouldn't be ending up in relationships in which you are doing all the caretaking. It's fine to ask that question. It is go- it's important to ask that question. Yeah, and it's important ask. to take the answer seriously. Yeah. And the answer probably has to do with the way that you show up mm-hmm. in relationships and the kind of people that are drawn to someone who will caretake them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if you're ending up with people that you find yourself in the caretaker role, that means there are people out there, and there are, who want to be taken care of. And that they're not great partners long term. Yeah. And it could be a variety of different types of people that are looking for that kind of care from abusive people mm-hmm. all the way down to just kind of just just disordered in some way, Yeah, but also self-centered. Pretty much anyone that doesn't have enough sense to reciprocate care is self-centered in some way. Right. And, it, but it may be because they're in crises. Yeah. as well. And sure. many people spend most of their life in crisis. It's, yeah. it's very unfortunate. Um, but the extent that we can rescue each other is very limited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so constantly seeking out people to caretake and then giving yourself over is probably not going to end up being a very fulfilling path. Although again, it feels good. <laughs> it yeah. does feel good to take sure. care of people. Yeah. And there's and a lot sh- of people that do need it. Sure. Well, we all need it, yeah. is what we're saying. Well, we, we all right. we all need it, right? And, and yeah, yeah. You, you know, there's this literally the saying, it's better to give than receive. There's, mm-hmm. there's a reason why that's saying, because it yeah. feels good to give of yourself. Yes. But it's, again, long-term in interpersonal relationships, if it's only one-sided, right. it just, I don't think it's going to have the effect that anybody wants. It, it has made me, so I mean, I described feelings of frustration, uh, feelings of lack of intimacy when the caretaking started to feel too lopsided to me. It also feels lonely. Yeah, sure. You feel alone in a relationship in which the caretaking is mostly going one way. Mm-hmm. Like because you're not seen. Right? You're not seen. Yeah. And you're not cared for, I guess, yeah. which is very similar, right? Yeah. <laughs> this idea of balance, which has come up often in this podcast, is really important in caretaking, in people-pleasing, in all of these responses, which I think, I imagine, can make it difficult to, as we say, kind of heal codependency or break the codependent habit. Because it's not like alcoholics, well, I'm just going to stop drinking alcohol. (laughs) You have to, for your own emotional and physical well-being, continue to engage in interpersonal relationships and have to find a way to moderate. That's kind of like most of the behaviors that we're talking about here, Mm -hmm. most of the codependent behaviors. And that's why I think it's good that we focus on the healthy versions of it, because Mm -hmm. that's what needs to be done is it's shifting the motivation for these behaviors mm-hmm. and and then hopefully healing from there so like okay I'm, this is coming from empathy and love as opposed to fear 
you know, so if you're fixing kind of the source of, of these behaviors. And also, I want to bring it back, the nutritional analogy back, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to put yourself in a situation where it's really easy to overeat in mm -hmm. a healthy way, right? Yeah. I mean, so if you're kind of struggling to eat healthier foods and to eat healthier amounts, like don't go to a buffet, uh -huh. <laughs> an all-you-can-eat buffet, right? right? You're just asking for trouble. And this is similarly, like, don't get involved with people who clearly need a lot of care. <laughs> yeah, sure. Don't put yourself in that situation. It's mm -hmm. going to be much harder to moderate those impulses. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what I was saying about the cuddle party. Like, I can't be in a cuddle party right yeah, now because yeah. I'm trying to get a handle on the level of care I give to people in my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. This is all condensed into one room. Yeah, of right. Like so, 20 people and <laughs> you know, you need to be careful about the situation and relationships and the people that you are connected to if you are, again, trying to moderate some of these very natural, very human impulses to please the people around you and to care. Well, make sure that those people around you then don't demand or expect an unhealthy, one-sided level of people-pleasing and caretaking. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you are getting back from the people in your life care and attention and pleasure. Sounds like a good... Good plan. Approach. <laughs> so thanks to the listener that sent this question. It really was thought-provoking and generated some good discussions. Again, we really appreciate people who comment, but also review and follow and like the podcast. That helps other people find our podcast. And we'll be back again in a couple weeks with another topic. We hope you join us.